Hey, hi, and uh, hello. Welcome uh, to episode seven of the Wrong Coco Cast. Uh, coming at you with just the audio experience this time, uh, something new that I'm uh, going to try out, and I'm just going to keep this purely. From now on, I personally think that the best decision for this is to just be an audio experience, uh, so you guys can, you know, consume this and listen to this without actually having to stop what you are doing and keep on going, keep on trucking. Uh, funny, you know, funny pun there. Myself and Stephanie are currently on our way to uh, Big White in Kelowna, and we are stuck in some traffic, uh, bumper to bumper. So we thought, you know what, let's uh, pull out the old microphone and have a bit of a chat. So. Uh, so today I do have the uh, wonderful Stephanie Moss uh, with me, uh, like I do every day, which is fantastic for me. Um, on today's episode, we're going to dive into Stephanie's career a little bit, and as much as we have had Stephanie on the show before, uh, she has a very unique story in the creative pursuit of life. Um, for anyone out there who is in the creative pursuit or is wanting to get into a creative field, uh, there is obviously a lot of challenges that do come along the way and it's something that I have recently uh, experienced and have you know come through on the other side of life and uh, you know obviously got a job in a field where I want to be but it's not always the case for some people and that's just how life rolls. So uh, we're going to dive into that a little bit and uh, just you know Stephanie's career as a person in her field uh, because her field is quite niche and there's not a lot of people that I personally believe to do it well especially over here in Canada. Uh, Australia a little bit more but still it's definitely a field that not a lot of people might actually know exist but uh, in a business point of view it is an extreme advantage to anyone who has a very successful VM working under them because uh, if they know what they're doing, they can create a business, a lot of income, and uh, yeah. So enough from me. <laughs> There'll be more from me, don't you worry. But uh, we'll. Uh, so Steph, I guess uh, we should just I don't know. Start off a little bit about yourself. Uh, obviously, that most of the people that do listen to this probably do know you, but for the people that don't, um, I don't know. A little bit of ins and outs of uh, you as a person and how you started off in this, you know, this creative pursuit of your, you know, your job. Was there even a question? You didn't ask me anything. I did. I just said, you know, well, yeah, well, I guess it's, it wasn't a question, but it was more like, you know, just a little bit about yourself, what you've done, um, and then we'll dive into more of the the question side of things once people have an understanding of actually what you do. Okay, so I guess you're asking what what is my job title exactly? I'm asking for you to tell people who you are, what you've sort of done and what your job title is. Yes, I guess that is what I'm doing if you really need to have a direct question sent to you. Okay, well, end goal was to become a visual merchandiser. Yeah. And essentially what that is, is it's kind of, it's a combination of business in regards to making sales for a retail store, but it's in the sense of a creative way of doing this. You're visually marketing to your consumer or your customer. So um, it can range from anything from like store development and setting up new stores to changing how the interior of a store is to market to a particular demographic depending on who your customer is and where your store is located. So in terms of educating myself, Um, learning and studying to become a visual merchandiser, I went on a little bit of a deviated path at first. Um, I initially went into uni to do, um, industrial design, 
and that was definitely not the right path to get to where I wanted to go but I wasn't aware that that visual merchandising was my end goal at the time when I applied so in high school I did a lot of design for my HSC so I did textiles and design I did design and technology and I did visual arts and for anyone who knows what a major project is most people struggle doing one major project for the HSC. That's I had me. three. Yeah, I only had one and I, I found had, it difficult. I had three. So I'm going to be completely honest. I was the most lame person for year 11 and 12 and I had zero time and energy for any of my friends unless you were doing the exact same thing as me. So you're either getting on board with going to the library or sitting at home doing your projects or I'm not hanging out with you essentially is what went down for my HSC. Every recess and lunch, I would be inside one of the design rooms working on my major project because I had a lot of shit to do. Yep. You, knew, you knew what your end goal was. I knew what my end goal was. And I I definitely bit off a lot more than most pe- people, teachers would recommend. They would be like, why the fuck are you doing three major projects? That's insane. Quick, quick little one. Yeah. The only way you're going to find out whether or not you can do more than you can chew is by taking that bite. Yeah, well, I knew at the end of the day that these were things that I was genuinely passionate about and I felt that I could confidently give all that time and not be resentful for it. Like I genuinely love the process of creating something and manufacturing it and I I am quite a patient person so I don't I don't mind trying something and failing and then having to start again. That doesn't bother me in the slightest. Like mm. that's how you make some of your greatest results essentially is like by screwing something up and then being like okay how do I come back from this and then all of a sudden your project is way way cooler or way more amazing or way more visually appealing than you ever thought it could have been from your original plan I guess and um yeah anywho long story short I did really really well in all of my HSC projects I got um band fives and six so for anyone who knows that that's like band six is the highest you can get and my best result was actually 92 92 out of 100 and that was look look at this woman fucking look at her showing showboating herself eh (laughs) (laughs) anyway yeah keep Um, going anywho point is that's a lot of hustle that's like all of year 11 all of you 12 my entire mic was entire mark my god english stephanie yeah my entire mark was 92 out of 100 which means I did really fucking good in every single thing that I submitted, all through year 11, all through year 12. Yeah. Including my final exam and my project. So, I was really pleased and impressed with myself, and I took those results on board, as in, that's probably what I should pursue in university, because that's what I did really well at. Ah. So... So you did say you went into university and studied industrial design? Yes, because that was the closest thing in the course catalogue to design and technology. Design and technology, okay. And what was it about industrial design that just didn't didn't make you tick? So what didn't tick was, I guess, you don't know until you try something that you don't like it. And what I did in high school is very different to what I was doing in uni and it could have been a case of I didn't pursue it long enough to get to a part where I would enjoy it but I didn't enjoy what I was diving into and being able to know that like these are like introduction courses or like phase one phase two so I got into like phase one and twos of my courses and 
you go essentially once you do those you'll do that unit like four times throughout your like degree so I was up to like number two and I was like I still don't love this yeah and that was that was very similar for me with university uh I did the uh, classic route of like a you know becoming a PE teacher and I got into like my second year of it and I was like holy fuck I don't like I don't see a future I don't want to do this I don't want to do this for a job every day and that's exactly how I felt and I was doing like physics and mathematics and like one of my assignments was pulling apart a Fujitsu air conditioner and making it more environmentally friendly so replacing the parts with materials that were sustainable or um sourced from a better I don't know part of the earth I don't know what you mean but you understand the message like making it better for the environment essentially and I was like I don't give a flying crap about this and not the environment obviously I do care about that but in terms of like my career as an industrial designer at the end of the day I had no desire to manufacture air conditioners or build lampshades or Mm. weird stuff like that that's not the kind of design that I saw myself loving and pursuing as a career and I was like I need to change I need to change did did you did you before you started your industrial design course did you already have in mind what you actually wanted to be designing or was it you were just doing the industrial design because that was the option was there ever like a thought of trying to transition into something different or was it you didn't you just had didn't have really have a clue because i feel like in the creative aspect of things uh when you're in a creative field it's very easy to try a lot of things but then you very quickly find out what you enjoy and what you don't enjoy like that's not my niche that's not the avenue that i want to pursue at the end of this yeah i think more when i looked at design i think i looked more of it in terms of like graphic design or interior visually visually seeing things um not so much the like the the build yeah yeah. the build part like i have no qualm building things for like the visual need Mm -hmm. but like manufacturing like a a door handle for example shout out shout out shout out out, james shout out sorry james (laughs) (laughs) like that's just not what gets me up in the morning kind of thing yeah so i quickly re revalued um how i felt and what i wanted to do and the things that i was passionate about and i've my mum is a seamstress and has always been into fashion ever since i was little my mum has always allowed me to critically dress myself and that sounds really weird but as a child, like every like every woman knows that if every body shape um, suits a different style of clothing, and you can tell what is flattering for someone's figure and what is not. And ever since I was little, she would let me pick out a bunch of outfits for myself, even if they were not the kind of thing that would suit me. And she would let me put it on, and she'd be like, "How does this make you feel? Like, do you think that you?" look good in this dress or do you think that it like is sitting a little bit funny around your shoulders or do you think it's a little bit too tight around your waist like how does how does that make you feel and it just kind of I don't know like made me aware of the human body and how things fit and like how that can I don't know I don't even know what I'm trying to say yeah how it how it can deter someone's purchase I guess or yeah I don't even know. So, like, you so you already had an eye for fashion and what looked know. good the on the, the day, human body. I'm quite good at 
dressing people for their shapes and flattering them so they feel good and they feel confident. Yeah. And I don't want to do that in terms of like selling to people as like a salesperson. That's not what I want to do. Mm. But it just it gave me an interest in fashion. I think is the message at the end of the day. Yeah. And I was I always liked it. Yeah. And I was like accessorizing and like just making the whole damn get up look great. And yeah. I can't remember where this conversation is going. Well, that's all right. Lucky I'm a great host and I, I have I can push it in any direction that I feel. Uh, so, obviously, you've made the transition from industrial to the visual merchandiser. Oh, yes. um, so, uh, for those who don't know, it is just, um, it's just a TAFE course. Yes. It was and I don't course. mean that in any degrading way whatsoever. I've, I'm an electrician by trade, so TAFE was my freaking home for three and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, so... What, what aspects of the visual merchandising course did you find is super beneficial? Because I feel like when it comes to creativity, uh, I, I, I don't believe you need a degree. Um, don't get me wrong. In this world, it's slowly starting to change, but people do like to have degrees when they are employing someone just purely because it just gives the employee a sense of uh, safety, I guess, that the person actually knows what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and like, not to jump into our topic straight off this, but like a quick little run through for me as someone who's pursue or who's like pursuing and still in the pursuit of becoming like a full-time photographer, videographer, I haven't studied anything. It, it has all been self-taught um, and I, it, it can be challenging when you're coming up against people who do have degrees and whatnot and larger experiences because of those degrees. So I, I think the question I'm really asking is, did you find the course valuable in helping you get uh, a career and then building yourself as someone who knew what they were doing, I guess? Yes. Yes. I uh, 110% yes. Yeah. Um, I think ugh, the most valuable thing I learned is even when I was at uni, I never fully felt engaged in my learning and I never felt like I left a course being like, wow, I confidently learned so much shit. Mm. I felt like I was constantly confused and just scraping by essentially. Like the teachers are not very hands-on and it's a lot of self-learning with not a lot of support if you needed help. And it's just kind of It's not a great place to learn something creative when being creative is a very hands-on, practical task and you need to physically do things to confidently understand and execute again on your own. And uni did not provide that to me. Probably does to other people, but the way that I learn, I didn't do well. Like, I didn't fail, but I wasn't doing well and I didn't feel good at the end of the day when I left. So how how was the visual merchandising course different? So, so different. So, like, everything in my visual merchandising course was practical. So, this is how shit went down. Mm. Essentially, you got given a course guide. It was going to give you all the bullet points for the things you were going to learn throughout the semester. And every single thing is a practical task. So, at uni, for example, you would have a lecture. And then you would go into it, like, you'd listen to them for, like, two, three hours, talk about some crap. And then you'd have, like, a half an hour lesson of like learning from them in a class yeah. but you wouldn't even technically do things you would just watch them do more stuff essentially mm-hmm. in tape you just got literally that course guide and then you'd go into your lesson every single day so your classes were from like 8.30 to 4.30 five days a week and 
and you were in practical workshop environments every single day. So you would be like, today we're going to learn how to You're on the tools, do... basically. Yeah, you're on the tools. So yeah. today we're going to do perspective drawings. Here's your damn paper in front of you on pencils. We're all doing this together right now. Yeah. I'm not going to show you how to do it. We're going to do each step together as I do it, and you're going to do it right in front of me at the exact same time. Yeah. And that forces you to physically do you're not watching you're doing so yeah. you're understanding you're connecting those dots as they're talking to you instead of just yeah. listening and then half falling asleep and being like oh i have no idea what just happened you're physically doing everything and that's how every class went down yeah and i think that is the most amazing way to learn because i don't think you need to listen to someone explain anything to you first i think you just need to Dude. Dive, dive straight into it, like, yeah. and that's how you learn. Sink or swim, hey? Yeah. Isn't it and, funny? But isn't it? But sorry, you don't really sink because if you're not understanding, you can be like, "Hey, I'm, I think I've just missed that, and I don't quite understand. Do you mm. mind helping me?" And they walk over to you, and they just go, "Okay, here we go. I'm going to do it with you right now." And then mm. you go, "Oh, cool. Yeah. That was really easy." And you don't feel intimidated. You don't have this built-up anxiety of like mm. what's to come, and like, "Oh, I'm going to really struggle with that." Yeah. You're completely blind going into it. Except, like, but the only thing you have to think about is like, okay, well, they're telling me I, we can all do this, so we're all just gonna do it, and it makes learning such a different experience. Yeah, don't you think it's funny that uh, just to be completely off topic here for a second, uh, that growing up, going through high school, you know, people will, and like, it's funny, like, if you really look at it from a, like a, a standoffish point of view, is that I was told, like, I was sort of told that TAFE was like. Not exactly the, the best. Version yeah. Of learning. Yeah. And it's funny, like when you think about it, like obviously the schools are government run, unless you went to a private school. But then obviously schools are government run, and then so are universities. And then you know, it's it's almost like a money making scheme. But uh, anyway, we're getting off topic here. But that's just something that it, it's yeah. just come to mind There's that like I thought. There's a stigma it, attached to going to TAFE. Yeah. Like that's for like people who aren't as educated or couldn't get a mark high enough to go to university, so they had to go to TAFE. Yeah. You don't need a mark to go to TAFE. Yeah. But anyway, so let's okay, let's let's like fast forward. So you've done your two, three years at TAFE. How long, how long uh, was it? I think it was two years. Two years at TAFE. You've now become a fully fledged visual merchandiser. And you are now 100% in the creative pursuit of finding a job in your creative field that you obviously enjoy and want to do for a living. Mm-hmm. How tough is it? Okay. My first my first VM job, I'm going to be honest, wasn't tough to get. Okay. So I actually got my first VM job before I even finished my course. Yep. And that was off a recommendation. So my one of my TAFE teachers... Um, was friends with someone who was obviously a visual merchandiser because that's what she had done for a career and she was now teaching TAFE and he called her up and asked if there was anybody in her class that was sort of a standout and was really really good and really passionate and really eager to like get into the field and work on a part-time basis and she referred me yep so I went and had my interview everything went really well and I got my first part-time job which was two and a half two and a half days a week or something like that yeah and um it was just a maternity leave contract so it was only meant to be for nine months while this lady went and had her baby yeah. and then she decided that she didn't want to come back and they asked me if I wanted to stay on and at this point um I had finished my TAFE course 
and I'd gotten some really good experience for the past nine months and I was really interested in getting a full-time gig but the company couldn't offer it to me. Yep. Who and was this with, by the so, way? So, um, this was with David Jones. Okay, yep. So, my first job was with David Jones. Um, quite a big, quite a big... Yeah, they're quite big in Australia. Like, it's yeah. a huge department. So, it's like a Macy's or like a Nordstrom. Yeah. And, um, I can't remember what I was going to say now. It was just about you... And oh, your job. Yeah, it's so funny. It's, it's 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 funny that you're struggling to talk about yourself when you talk about yourself all the time. Me. <laughs> anyway, I'm, can you... I'm also multitasking right now because I just started driving again. Um, oh no, what's going on? So yeah, I got got the excitement. I'd finished TAFE. I was working part time as a visual merchandiser and part time as a director's assistant to a logistics company. And I used to, I loved doing that job. I got paid really well. My bosses were really nice to me. But it came to this point where I was like, okay, Stephanie, you finished your course and you worked as a VM for like more than nine months now because I stayed on after the nine-month contract. They asked me to stay. And it had been pretty much nearly a year working part-time as a merch part-time as an assistant. And I was like, okay, I want to work as a VM full-time. This is what I want to do. It's kind of really frustrating my soul that I'm not doing what I want to do every single day and that's been my goal and so the hunt for a full-time gig officially begun and let me tell you it was a very very long hunt there was a lot of tears there was a lot of rejection and it I, I can I, I can confirm there was a lot of tears there was a lot of tears there was a lot of heartbreak and I kept getting my hopes up all the time only to be shut down by the stupidest things and it wasn't a case of I wasn't talented enough or I wouldn't have been a good worker it wasn't that I wasn't interviewing well um, it was always it always came down to this one little tiny thing you don't have enough experience see and for me this is something that is just annoying the shit out of me and and do you know what I, I, like it's it's honestly something that you just need someone who is willing to take the gamble on you. Yeah. Um, and this is sort of where I can throw in my two little cents about um, my creative pursuit. So, obviously, I have now obviously got my first like full-time gig as a photographer. Um, and I've had times where I've like applied for things, and like it's so hard because people want paid experience no one wants to see unpaid experience because technically you're worth nothing if it's unpaid experience so uh, it's 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 difficult it's it is difficult um and i feel like if it's something that you really enjoy and that you're passionate about you're sort of happy to just continue to grind and continue to push until the opportunity does come and if you are out there right now struggling Someone will take the gamble on you. I, I can guarantee it because what will happen and what sort of did happen for Steph is that you will come across someone who has been in your position and they acknowledge that you are and like they have been in the exact same spot and they will take that gamble. So uh, what? who took the gamble on you? So um, his name was Chris. Chris took the gamble on me and before I'd met Chris, I think it had been at least 10 months of like failing. So like, I'll be completely honest, I did get a job as a full-time merchandiser before Chris hired me, but 
it was not the right fit for me and I think because of all the all the times that I had tried and had been rejected from companies that I genuinely wanted to be in um, when I got offered the job I saw that as an opportunity and I was like you need to say yes because I need this damn freaking experience because yeah. no one wants to hire me with a 10-foot pole because I haven't worked as a full-time VM even though I had been working as a VM for over a year now but I was only working on a part-time basis. So at the end of the day, what was happening was I was interviewing and I would have my interview that would go really, really well. So that would be with like a VM. So they would just interview you, ask you questions, make sure that you're not special. And then essentially they'd be like, hey, I'm really interested in you. I want you to meet the business manager. So the business manager has to sign off on you as well to make sure that everyone is on the same page and that you're qualified and you have the right drive and you're gonna be the right fit for the business. After you meet the business manager and they're kind of like, yeah, this girl seems really good. Um, as a VM, you have to do a trial to make sure that like what you're saying is what you're going to deliver and that you can work at a fast pace and you can get shit done. And I had trials and everything would go really well. And then sometimes the company would just completely ghost you. So they would meet with you three times and then just never say anything to you ever again, which by the way is super disheartening they seem super keen that they've brought you back three times that kind of makes you feel like you're pretty much on the end turns out companies are just shit to work with yeah. and that's just life get over it yeah. sucks at the time but I can say that now and then the other thing is if they would get back to me after that like excruciating process they'd be like there's actually nothing wrong with you and it's between you and another girl but the other girl's just been a full time VM and you've only been part time so she's only getting it because she's had more experience than you. Yeah. That and is, that's that, what it came down to yeah. on at least like four, four to five different occasions that would be the answer being like it's nothing to do with you it's just that girl's worked full time and on a business perspective you want someone who ticks all of the criteria and you're just missing a little bit. Yeah. See I, I've got I've got a similar story when it comes down to getting you know like sort of losing to someone with experience so um, after doing my first season at Big White I was extremely extremely committed to wanting to become the uh, the videographer for the the resort my the next season so I did I took the steps sort of which I thought were needed for me to potentially get that so at the end of the first season I arranged to have meetings with all the head of marketing and communications at Big White and I showed them what I was doing and they were really really they were really keen on me they were really keen uh, I knew the mountain well. I knew which spots, video like where videos looked really well, and everything was seeming to be falling into place for me. Um, to the point where I was like, I don't know, what do you reckon? Like eighty percent sure I was going to get the job. Maybe yeah. even, maybe even a bit more. They and were honestly, just like we're just waiting to finalize budgets because the department's growing, and then once we're done, we'll be in contact. Yeah, and so this was like, so I was pretty much like locked in. I was already going back to the resort, regardless. Um, and I, I was like, yep, sweet. And then maybe like a week out before moving back to <laughs> moving back to Canada, uh, unfortunately, I got a message saying, unfortunately, Mitchell, uh, we've, uh, we've given the job to someone else. And, you know, like, we're sorry. There's nowhere in the, like, in, you know, in our department where we can really fit you in. And I was fucking crushed, eh? Like, from like, all, from all the conversation that we had, they were really positive and like, I honestly thought that like I was going to get the job and there was no real reason as to why I didn't get it. Um, so those three, like those couple weeks went past and then I eventually was back in like Big White 
and uh, I happened to find out uh, who got the job as the videographer. And you know what? Fair enough. This bloke fucking definitely, definitely was a lot better than me. Uh, I hadn't worked on Pirates of the Caribbean as a videographer. I definitely had fucking not done that. Uh, but the one thing that sort of did grind my gears a little bit was this person didn't know how to snowboard or ski. Um, and in my mind, I felt that someone who could hold a camera while snowboarding or skiing was a lot better than someone who just knew how to hold a camera and use the best of it. But, you know... Considering it's a ski resort. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's very easy to look at it and, like... Be critical. Be very critical. But, like, I think for me, like, the best thing was... And in any, in any, in any situation where you were coming out as the loser is potentially the better situation to be in because well there's a lot to there's a lot to actually like look at and assess and it's like okay well why didn't I get the job and obviously experience is definitely one but it's like you go back to the drawing board on how to get experience and then I guess this is the the continuous loop of the creative pursuit until you get that crack until that chance someone yeah. gives you a chance you get that chance and then it's and it's about if anything in this creative pursuit I feel like you need to be constantly learning constantly grinding constantly continuing to grow so when that chance comes you can hit it fucking out of the park um, and so with my job that I have now got here at Whistler I, I am a photographer and I, and I absolutely enjoy it and I love it uh, it's definitely not what I thought the job would be uh, I've also joined as like a brand ambassador so I do do some of the uh, social media creating for the uh, for the company uh, and I've actually recently just been promoted to lead photographer as well which is I'm, I'm pretty pretty excited about yeah I'm pretty excited about um, and like <laughs> my creative pursuit definitely was not as long and as harsh as what Stephanie's was and I can only speak on my behalf but I feel like the, the, the easiest thing to do is to get down about it and think that you're not good enough but I can guarantee everyone listening here, especially if they are in this position of trying to pursue something in a creative field, is that you are good enough. And honestly, you just need to be sort of at the right place at the right time. And it's happened to so many people. And it's just about staying positive and continuing to push. And just don't quit. Yeah, honestly, you just don't want to quit. Like, it's just, you just constantly got to keep growing and keep pushing and just keep messaging people and just keep offering what you have and I can guarantee that eventually someone will um you'll be in the right place at the right time with the right person yeah uh, that's a hundred percent it and like let's I, let's just let's throw this back to you Stephanie because a lot of people probably don't know this but when we did move over to Big White Big White didn't actually have a visual merchandiser Work for me, no matter where I am, and I'm going to be gaming 
I don't want to ruin my resume. I know that this is what I love doing and I want to keep building on my skills in different environments and just building that knowledge up because it just gives me a lot of experience and awareness and it's I just love doing it. And anywho, long story short, um, Winter hadn't even finished yet for Big White and I just sent an email to the HR department explaining who I am, what I currently do and um, just inquiring as to whether the retail department hires my job role essentially and they were like we don't normally do this but I feel like you would be a very beneficial person for the business so we're going to pass you on to um, the retail owners and then they'll be in touch with you and, and I was like perfect thank you so much and I had shortly after that they sent me an email and they were like we haven't even finished winter we haven't even hired stuff for summer let alone the winter that you're applying for once I finish hiring all my summer stuff, I would love to have a chat with you, get on Skype, and just have a little talk. By the way, am I going the right way? Yeah, continue straight, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I had my Skype interview, and essentially what happened is she just asked what I did um, and what my role has been at the moment, my responsibilities, um, how much money essentially the stores that I look after are making, and she offered me the job at the end of my Skype interview and was like, I don't need to talk to anyone else. I would really love to hire you as a merchandiser for um, the 17-18 winter season. And I was literally so excited and I was like, yes, 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 because I went onto their website and like it didn't say that they hired merchandisers at all and she was like, we don't really, we just hired normal stuff and then we just kind of make it up as we go along. Yeah. So... Essentially, I just secured my job, like, by, secured by, myself a role. By asking. By asking. Yeah. I was like, because this is what I want to do, yeah. and I want to do it for you. Yeah. And I just put it out there. Yeah. I think I think a lot of people, and I've, I've been victim to this, um, people are too quick to sell themselves short uh, before even asking. Yeah. Um, so, I guess by the end of this, like, this Creative Pursuit podcast, two big things I want people to take away from this is that it's going to be a grind, and you need to be consistent. And you need to stay positive and put out to the universe what you want from it. And I mean that by going to ask every single person. If you want to be a videographer, create videos of people, show them them and be like, hey, I do this. And you might have to do free videos for people for a while. But, but eventually, eventually someone will be like, okay, this is great. I'm going to pay you for it. Um, and at the end of the day, like especially in the beginning, like if you're creating a company or anything like that, people always are very quick to assume that their time is worth more than what it really is. Um, and like, you have to be real with yourself here. Like, if, you, if, you are, if you're at the bottom, you're worth what the bottom is, which is nothing. And like, yeah. you need to just be willing to offer and give and give and give. And then someone will eventually look at you and appreciate what you can do. Yeah, you're uh, an asset, you are valued. Yeah, you'll be, yeah. Cause you at the end of the day, you're an asset, yeah. They're giving you nothing except yeah. experience. And you, because that's what you want to do for a living, yeah. you should be, thankful for the damn opportunity that someone's letting you do that for them every single day yeah. and I know that seems like really silly because we're we're in the business to make money but I'm in the business of trying to make a career that I genuinely love and I want to wake up and do it every day and I'm completely aware that hustling as a little person and getting paid peanuts is a part of that process but yeah. you know what sucks getting up and doing a job that you absolutely hate every day making the same money 
that sucks. Yeah, can't can't agree with it any more than that. You've honestly finished that really well for me, and uh, I think welcome. I think we'll uh, I think we'll call that on this episode. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent on sure on how this is all going to sound. There was a lot of noises going on. Um, there was windscreen wipers, trucks going past, or fucking who knows what. Um, but if but if yeah, tuning cameras. Uh, but if you guys did enjoy this episode and this audio experience, um, please let me know. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Mitchell O'Connor. You can find me on Instagram where I'm most mostly active at underscore Renoco. Uh, and obviously Steph as well at Steph Moss. Wait, Steph underscore Moss? No, Steph Moss. Just Steph Moss. Steph Moss, S-T-E-F. No P-H in this bitch. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. hope you guys enjoyed this one. Uh, if you know a friend that is struggling with their creative pursuit, maybe this is something they can listen to. I have one last thing to say. Yep. Okay, the only ones who fail are the only ones who don't try. That's 100% true. Yep, you're, you're not wrong. You're definitely correct. <laughs> um, but yeah, so guys, if you enjoy it, uh, be sure to follow the page because I, I am going to try produce, I don't know, hopefully maybe two to three like podcasts per week. Um, and yeah, let's... Uh, Let's just get out there and fucking get it, guys. Like, it's uh, 2019. Let's fucking kickstart the year, even though we're halfway through it. But let's just kick the rest of the year up the arse and keep pushing our goals and smashing them. So, uh, yeah, fucking, uh, I don't know. Never, I've... Very us- Yeah, I usually finish podcasts on a video format, so I don't really know how to finish it here. Puppies. Yeah, I'm going to finish it the same way. Go have a fucking great day and make sure you pat every freaking puppy that's in a 50-meter radius of you. Alrighty then, guys. I'll uh, see you later. Bye. Bye.